1: happy guy Ned he ate a moldy pumpkin pie then he thought that he just couldn't die so Ned he laughed so all Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 4-462 of the Run, Run, Live podcast. Today, we are going to focus on self-awareness and being in the now and how that helps you deal with hard things and also helps you work with what you've got. I have not run a step since we last spoke. My new strategy is to actually rest my knee and see if that helps. So not sure why that wasn't my first strategy, but we all have to go through these things in our own ways. The knee uh, doesn't hurt, and there's no loss of mobility or anything. Every once in a while, I get a twinge, like when I'm out walking Ollie or doing something weight-bearing. But in general, I just feel strong, healthy, and happy. So I've got a nice cadence going of lift-bike-swim with a long ride on the weekend. And I really, I'm really enjoying these summer days and this work from home, you know, five o'clock and the work whistle blows. I can jump up and get on my bike or go for a ride or go for a swim or head to the gym for a workout. It's a very nice rhythm. And it strikes me that I have found this rhythm partly by circumstance, you know, the external factors of the plague and the, my knee being injured, but also by meeting the universe where it is, meaning because of my mindset practices, I've somehow turned this (laughs) into quite a pleasant situation and a pleasant season of my life. And I'm at the point now where I'm in good enough practice in all three of these routines, the weights, bike, swim, that I can look forward to it and I can get a good hard workout in. So it's actually, uh, it's worth something to me, right? I'm particularly happy about the swimming. Uh, Like I told you before, I wasn't too confident because swimming has always been my weak sport. You know, it's been hard for me, but I seem to have cracked the code. Last time I trained for that Olympic triathlon a couple years ago, and apparently I retained that stroke knowledge. And it frankly amazes me that I can just wander out into the pond after not swimming for three years and knock out a. 800 meter or 1,000 meter swim? No must no fuss. And I also can't imagine what people think down at the beach when they see this old dude roll up <laughs> at the public beach, strap on some goggles, wade into the water, and disappear over the horizon. And most years I wouldn't be swimming in this pond in August because it gets too warm. It's just too gross. Uh, but with all the rain, it's stayed tempered. It's really nice. So I'm quite enjoying that. Summary is, I'm in a good place, I'm keeping the weight off, and I'm staying fit. And this week, we will talk with Eddie, who I ran into on YouTube. He's a retired guy trying to build some social media stuff, and he did a 5K a day for 30 days video that I really liked, so we talked about it, and some other stuff we talked about. In section one, I'm going to give you a primer on how to start weightlifting if you're if you're strength curious. And in section two, I'm going to talk about awareness and how awareness allows us to choose how we make our way in this world. And right now, I'm going to tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. I needed a haircut this week. Even though I really don't have that much hair anymore, I like to keep it short and comfy, especially in the summer. So when I went over to Supercuts, which is where I get my haircut. They said I had to wait, 10 or 15 minute wait, so I sat down in a chair to wait, and it was very busy there. Apparently, we are in the back-to-school season, and the place was full of kids acting like kids, and people were coming in and out of the door, and the phone was ringing, and the haircutters were keeping up their chatter as they do. It was a bit of an imbroglio. Imbroglio is one of my fun words I use to let people know how much my parents paid for education. No, 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 no. To let people know how much I love words. It's basically an Italian nominalization. Nominalization means to turn a verb into a noun. And it's a version of the English word embroil. So that'll give you a bit of a flavor for it. So it basically means an intricate mess with a lot of moving pieces mushed together. Anyhow, it was a bit of a noisy imbroglio in the supercuts while I was waiting. And I decided, since I hadn't done my meditation yet, that this would be an excellent use of the 10 minute wait. And you might say to me, Chris, why would you try to meditate in a noisy, busy place in an uncomfortable chair? And the answer is why not? <laughs> What's different from the noise in my own head? <laughs> versus this noise in the store. Noise is noise. Meditation is not a cessation of noise. It is an observation of noise. It is the awareness of noise. And I used to practice this form of peace a lot when I traveled. It works great in a busy airport or on an airplane or to get to sleep in a strange, noisy place. And what you do is you picture yourself Or, more appropriately, you observe yourself sitting in the chair, in the environment, and you visualize a clear shell or like a force field of energy around you. And then all of the noise and the chaos is outside that shell. And you observe the noise and the chaos, but you let it go. You're aware of it, but you're aware of its externality, if that makes sense. And then you can focus on your breathing and you relax into your beautiful shell of peace within the chaos. And when the the hair person called my name, and they called it early, I wasn't ready. It took me a few moments to come out of this. I was deeply relaxed. I had to shake it off to get my hair cut. Because if you can only achieve mindfulness in a comfy, quiet room with a statue of the Buddha surrounded by candles, you've probably got work to do on with the show.
0: It is when we learn to leave our comfort zone that we find ourselves communing with our inner strength.
1: How to start weightlifting. How do you start a strength program with weights? I have been getting in a good weights workout at the gym about twice a week for a couple months now. And it has been quite enjoyable and had a great impact, not only on my strength, but on helping me through this injury patch. And I wanted to share this with you to consider, because I think many people are afraid of weights. Weightlifting has gotten some bad press. Maybe you think of weightlifting and you think of giant muscly meatheads pounding protein drinks and posing in the mirror all greased up. I mean, you can go down that path. You can do that bodybuilding thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Like any other sport, it starts to get unhealthy when you take it to extremes, but you really don't have to do that, right? It doesn't have to be like that for you and I. It's actually quite accessible as an activity and doesn't require a bunch of equipment, and it's not that scary at all if you approach it the right way. And why would you want to do it? Why would you want to start lifting weights? Well, because it makes you stronger, right? Weightlifting is a form of resistance training. Just like any other resistance training, it's about stress and response. You stress your muscles, and they respond by getting stronger. But it's not just stronger muscles. It's stronger connective tissue, skeletal skeletal stuff, stronger bones, right? It makes the whole connected system stronger. As a bonus, more muscle burns more resting calories, When you're sitting around, you'll burn more calories because you have more muscle. And not to be discounted, having a bit of muscle makes you feel good about yourself. You get a nice self-satisfaction when you feel those muscles under your shirt or when you look in the mirror or maybe somebody makes a comment. When you do return to running or any other endurance activity, the strength isn't going to hurt you. It's going to help your performance. It's going to help you prevent injury in the future. And you might think, ah, I'm too old or I'm too weak or I'm too fat or I'm too whatever. But it's never too late. It's never too late to start. There's no prerequisites to weightlifting. Like anything else, you need to approach it with the right mindset. Approach it as a practice. Do a season of weightlifting, right? Do it as a project. Don't think of it as being a bunch of hard and painful work. Think of it as an experiment, a chance to learn, a chance to observe and build awareness of a new aspect of this, this amazing machine that you have, your body, and set your expectations appropriately. Weightlifting's not going to change your genetics. If you've got a weird, goofy body, you're not going to change that, but you can make it stronger. You can learn something. And practicality of it is you need to ease into it, especially in the beginning. Don't jump right into heavy weights. And don't worry about how much weight you have on. Start with a quarter of what you think you can lift. For the first week or two, focus on the motion and the form and the consistency of the practice. You know, allow yourself to win. (laughs) If you jump right into the heavy lifting without good form, you will break yourself. And uh for this reason you may want to get help. Maybe it's enough for you to watch a YouTube video, maybe you can ask a friend or one of the people at the gym because as with every sport, form is important and maybe more so in weightlifting. Why? Because bad form will not only not give you the results you want, but it will quickly give you injuries because weights are weight-bearing. It's a weight-bearing activity, and the angles are very important. What I'm proposing here are free weights, dumbbells and barbells, because they're simple and they're natural. There are many varieties of resistance training, and whatever you're comfortable with, go for it. It's not important, you know, if you want to do something else. Especially if you can stay consistent with it, that's what you should do whatever you can stay consistent with. But me, I'm talking about free weights, dumbbells, barbells, iron. I am going to pump you up. There is a simple structure to these workouts where I can get all of the major muscle groups every week with two workouts in the week, two to three workouts that are about 40 minutes long. Yes, you heard me. I can get the strength I'm looking for with an, hour and 20 minutes invested a week and i will tell you how first we need to define some terms workouts consist of reps and sets for example i might do three sets of 10 reps of a barbell bench press that means i do 10 repetitions of the exercise then i do that three times 10 reps three sets And I simplify my workouts into muscle groups. And there's five muscle groups in my taxonomy. Chest, back, arms, shoulders, core. Day one workout is chest and back and core. That's three sets of three different chest exercises, three sets of three different back exercises, and three sets of a core exercise. All of this I can crank out in about 40 minutes or less. The total is nine sets, and if I feel like I want to do more, I can do five sets for 15 total sets. I'm doing enough weight that I can get somewhere between six to ten reps per exercise, so that's pretty heavy weight. Day two is arms and shoulders. Same thing, three sets of three different biceps exercise, three different tricep exercise, and shoulder exercises. Less than 40 minutes. And there's two ways you can do these sets. The first way, what I usually do because it's more time efficient, and this is rotational, meaning you rotate between the muscle groups going from one exercise directly into the next exercise. So in the chest and back workout, that would mean set one of chest Then you go directly into set one of back, directly into set two of chest, directly into set two of back, until you rotate through every exercise once. And then you repeat that rotation three times. The advantage of this is that you're not waiting between exercises. I don't go to the gym to stand around and look at myself in the mirror. I don't go to the gym to impress anybody. I go to the gym to work out. A rotational workout is really good for me because I'm in and out. The second way is the more traditional super set. And in our example, it would mean you stay with one exercise and rest 60 seconds in between sets. So exercise one, set one, rest. Exercise one, set two, rest. Exercise one, set three, rest. And then you go into the next exercise. And it the advantage of this is that, first, it really stresses that specific muscle group. It gives it a great workout. I mean, this is how real weightlifters do it. The second advantage is that if your gym is busy, by doing this, you can get on a piece of equipment and monopolize that equipment until you're done with that piece, then move on to the next one so nobody can jump in be- while you're rotating around. So that's it. My summary here is that weightlifting is really good for strength. I mean, you have to ease into it, but once you get into the flow, it's very time efficient and much simpler than you think. And now
0: for today's featured interview.
1: So Eddie, tell us who you are and what you do and, and why we're talking.
0: Hello, Chris. Well, my name's Eddie. I'm uh, 54 years old. I'm um- I've got a background of uh, about 14 years in the military when I left school and then I joined the police force and I had a career in the police and I retired from the police age 50 about four, four and a half years ago. I live in a town called Gated, which is just outside of Newcastle in the northeast of England. And currently I'm trying to get a little YouTube channel off the ground in order to earn some money through some creativity. But I'm, I've throughout my life, I've also tried to keep myself physically f- and psychologically fit. And I live with my two border collies.
1: Right. And those are all things I like about you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you you reached out. I think think you saw one of my YouTube videos, which I posted on a Facebook group about. yeah,
1: Yeah. I stumbled into one where you did a 5k a day. Right? 5K a day for 30 days. That's right. Yes. Um, and you sort of uh, tongue in cheek started on the couch aimlessly, not much to do. And we're struggling to find something to do. You're getting, putting on a little weight. And you said, well, why don't I just simplify it and make it 5K a day and see what happens? And you sort of track that across the arc of that 30 days.
0: That's right. Yes. I think because it's easier, especially as you get older, I find it's easier to slip into bad habits of sitting around too much, procrastinating, watching too much. Junk TV, and um, I found as I get older, you can lose your residual fitness in a matter of days. <laughs> so um, it was a bit of a kickstart for me. I thought I'm going to set myself a challenge: run five k every day for 30 days, and just do it, no matter what the weather was or how much it hurt. And I did it, and it was. Uh, it's been the springboard to some weight loss, and uh, I run three or four
1: times a week now. So it's it's been a good thing. Yeah, and I've done similar programs, typically. In the spring, it's sort of an off season for me, like the May, June time frame when the days start getting really long. I've done a couple of these, I call them five at five. Get up at five o'clock and run five miles. And that's it. Like you said, no rules. Doesn't have to be fast, doesn't have to be slow, doesn't have to be anything. It's just get up and run every day. And what you'll find is is it takes your body about a week to figure out what you're doing, but after that, it's not so bad.
0: Well, that's right. Yeah, you have to go through the um that pain plateau of uh, the first, the early runs I did, I was just, I felt like a fat old man. But to look at it is, I mean, people wouldn't describe me So I, I look, People would probably say I look reasonably fit for my age, but by God, I felt it. It's um, the first few runs. Yeah, and you're right. You've got to burst through that pain barrier. And also, I think we put too much, you hit a good point there, we put too much pressure on ourselves to perform, to be better than the run that we did the previous day. And it doesn't have to be like that. I tell myself that it doesn't matter what your time is, every run is a good run. It's better than if I was just sat on the sofa. So it takes the pressure right off. You don't have to have the fancy gadgets or the fancy chest straps. I just, I've just i got a cheap watch. I, I timed it. I've got holes in my trainers and just went out the door and ran. And it's, yep. uh, it's as simple as that. Yeah, we can complicate yep.
1: things a bit too much. And that can be a, an obstacle to getting out there and doing things. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit before is that I think, especially if you've done a lot of things in the past where you're like, okay, should I train for this marathon? Should I train for this triathlon? Should I do this? Should I do that? And essentially comparing yourself to somebody else, right? That somebody else happens to be you from five years ago, but it's somebody else. And That's at right. the end of the day, it's so you work yourself up into a lather and you get to, to the indecision point. And you're not doing anything. Else. That's right, yes. And so this I found this is a great way to clear your head because the other thing that happens when you're out every day on one of these, in your case of 5K, in my case, a five mile run, is you start to meditate after you push through that first few days. Mm-hmm. You, you naturally your mind starts to calm, right? Especially if you're doing it in the morning. And so it has this uh, outsized mental impact that people don't realize. They understand the physical part, but they don't understand the mental impact as well. It's very calming, very stabilizing. If you're in a bad place in your life, mm-hmm. you know it'll, it'll sort you right out. It gives you an anchor, I guess I'm saying, especially if you do it in the morning.
0: Definitely. I'm a big believer in that personal growth only comes through discomfort. We're scared of discomfort now because we have so many mod cons and things that make our life easier so we become scared of being cold or wet or, or or aching so we try and avoid it or put it off but that's where growth happens and you're right and um, that taps into our into our mental stimuli as once we got over those first few runs you feel better about yourself you start to crave the discomfort
1: because you know it's making you feel better yeah it sort of says, okay, I can do this, that, mm-hmm. and, and I feel good about this, and that becomes an anchor, right? Oh, it's yes. like daily meditation. It becomes an anchor, and then everything else in your life sort of falls into place around that. And the other powerful thing about saying this is I'm going to do this for 30 days, right? 30 days is a random number, but it's yes. going to be around that range, right? So you could do 25, you could do 35, but around that range or a month, right, or four weeks, whatever you want to call it, the reason those work is because in your brain, if you say, I want to get fit. That's open-ended. Your brain doesn't know how to deal with it, right? But if you say, I'm going to run 5K every day for 30 days, now you've boxed it in and your brain can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I see that. So at the end of 30 days, I don't have to do this anymore. Okay, great, right? Again, it it keeps it simple because our brain is just full of crazy monkeys and uh, sometimes you got to keep it simple.
0: That's right. You have to have some sort of measurable target that's achievable. Otherwise, if you just say, I want to get fit or I want to lose weight, it's it's too vague. It's why resolutions never work. Which, uh, there's nothing specific in the target. We'll do it for two or three times and we'll just give
1: up. Yeah, it's the other side of this. If you get focused or athletic naturally people, You know, we were talking about the Border Collies, right? Where... You know, they need something to do, right? It's, you, you got to do something. So this becomes a habit. That's a positive habit that has positive reinforcement cycle versus something else that you might. That's find. right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's that whole habit. The fact that you're doing something is good for you psychologically. Yeah. It doesn't right. matter what it is. Yeah. Right. And okay. you make it small enough so you can be successful. So, yes. I mean, when I was doing five miles a day, that wasn't a reach for me. I was rolling off a marathon, right? When you're doing 5k a day, it wasn't that much of a reach for you. You could walk 5K in an hour, right? Yes. So that's not a a giant reach. So what do you do when the program comes to an end, right? Because when the program comes to an end and you get to that 30 days, you're like, Well, what happened? Well, that's right.
0: You're touching on an interesting subject, which I've been looking into because you're right. You could use a different example to say I want to train to do a half marathon, and then you've completed the particular task, and then then what? You've lived a certain amount of weeks kind of live in this artificial way in order to hit a particular goal or target. And then what happens? And more often than not, the habit lapses because we've lost the motivation, we've lost the goal. So I try to think of um now for any any habit in life, it can be running or cycling, is to not have a specific target. And like uh, for example, instead of saying I want to run a half marathon, set up your psychologically to tinker with your identity as to, I want to be a runner. Hmm. Um, And then again,
1: that's kind of vague. What's the measurable part of that?
0: You'd ask yourself questions like how would a runner behave? Hmm. What would a runner do every day? So then you break down that into smaller habits. Well, a runner would the night before they'd put their trainers out and their running kit at the the bottom of the bed. Uh, They would eat a particular type of food. They would try and avoid, High carb and high sugar diets. So then you break. So I want to be a runner. Break it down into smaller specific goals, specific habits to bring into line um, the identity of being a runner. You could turn it into I don't want to read a book. I want to be a reader. Yeah. So then you're not get to the end of the book, and then that's it. You're developing an identity that's a reader, and it's you yeah. can you can apply the same concept to any area of your life really. Yeah, you tie it to
1: self work. Yeah,
0: because I yeah. think yeah. Yeah, your goals have to be more, I think, in my opinion, identity-based rather than goal-based. Because you're right, from the very beginning of your question, once you've hit that target, what happens next? Yeah. yeah. It's why a lot of diet programs fail. Somebody will have a target of losing £20, they, di- they, they join a particular diet program, they'll spend X amount of money. They'll hit that target more often than not. But research has shown that the weight will go back on over, over a course of weeks and months and some. Because the, the motivation's gone, they've changed nothing about their identity. They haven't turned into a healthy person. They've just developed some life hacks in order
1: to lose twenty pound. Yeah, but don't you think it goes both ways, right? So what you're doing is those habits create a lifestyle, and that lifestyle then goes into your identity, right? Well, oh, exactly. So by, exactly. By, by, by living yeah. the life cycle, it reinforces the identity.
0: Yes. That's right? a, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I probably didn't explain myself very well. Yes, the habits form part of your identity. Which are a part of your daily lifestyle habits? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Not interesting
1: because really. what I found with people is they have to erase a previous identity or parts of a previous identity. They have somehow have to scratch out because they're getting up in the morning and they're looking in the mirror and saying to themselves, "I'm a fat, out of shape, old bastard," right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they they don't know it, but they're reinforcing this identity. So if somebody was to walk up to them and say, "Hey, are you an athlete?" they'd say, "No, I'm a." fat, out of shape, old dude. Whereas could, if you, you can preload that by saying I'm an athlete. Yes.
0: Or I'm a, I'm a runner. Yes. We create these uh, unhelpful narratives for ourselves that we end up believing in. We hijack ourselves to say, well, I can't run because I'm too old. I can't run because I've got a sore knee. We, yeah. So then we end up
1: believing these narratives and then end up doing nothing. Right. And I think that's what the sort of the big reveal is for people when they'll go out and do something like run their first marathon or mm-hmm. whatever it is right they'll do this event they'll go oh my god i can do that yeah I must not be this whatever they had labeled themselves right and that, that's right and, and that flips their identity and they're able to do other things yes yeah, it's a big yeah. confidence boost yeah so the other thing you talk a lot about is life after 50 mm-hmm. yeah uh, which is an interesting situation because in some senses it's not upward and to the right it's sort of downward and to the right in terms of your abilities and your pursuits. So there's this interesting dynamic is how do you keep that vivaciousness of your endurance routine of your life um, while realizing that you're getting older? Mm-hmm. All you can do is just
0: be the best version of yourself. You're never going to be as fast as you were in your 20s, but you can be the best that you can. And I think in your 50s, you've uh, in my opinion, you hit the sweet spot of having the life experience and everything that comes with that, plus unless you've been unlucky with genetics and you've had some sort of disease or um, illness, that you can still be fit enough. So the 50s, I think, is a real good sweet spot. And it's, it should be a great platform. And you can achieve anything you want to achieve. And I don't mean you're going to be a world champion at something. But if you can get over those unhelpful narratives that you tell yourself that we
1: just talked about, the 50s is, is an excellent age to be, I think. Yeah. And I see a lot of times people will come into endurance sports later in life like they might have done it as a kid in school and then given it up for 20 30 years and they'll come back to it and they'll be better than everyone else in their age yeah because yeah. It's, it's fresh to them and they haven't been beating the crap out of their bodies for 30 years right yeah, yeah. and i don't think yeah. there's there's there any
0: pressure on you in your 50s if you're in your teens and 20s and you take up a sport i think there's a lot of pressure on you to be the best to win competitions Or in your 50s there isn't it's you do it for the fun yeah and you do it for the, the social side as well. You meet new people. Yep,
1: yep. Yeah. All around it, I think it's great taking up these things in your 50s. And I think in the current world, there's a lot more opportunity because, due to healthcare and everything else, our society is such that there's this cadre of people who are in their 50 to 70 sort of age range that are capable and alive. Whereas, you know, in the 1950s, those people might live to be 65 and keel over right mm-hmm. now yeah. we have not only are they living longer but they have the wherewithal and the health to do something so mm-hmm. it's an interesting new segment of the population and they got to figure out what to do with themselves
0: if they view it in the right way yes because we'll have this um basically crisis as well because it's like we touched on before there are, there are lots of traps where we pursue pleasure stimulation and entertainment and that can be in terms of tv or your diet so we can flip completely to an unhealthy side of life. Or like you said, we have the opportunity because we have better understanding in sports science and nutrition where you can live healthily well into your 90s if you look after yourself. Whereas you we couldn't in our parents'
1: generation. It's ironic that they're yeah. getting so good at giving us unhealthy stuff to eat and Unhealthy pursuits, you know, you're getting barraged by that stuff every day. But on the other hand, there's nothing mysterious about staying healthy. It's all very well known. Yeah. Very simple. It's exercise and diet, right? And yeah, don't yeah. smoke. But our, ge- our
0: parents' generation spent years being bombarded with marketing about how cigarettes were good for you and how they were cool. Yep, Marketing was powerful. So you're trying to spin up a, a YouTube empire here. Oh, yeah, yeah. empire is be- probably a strong word. Well, <laughs> yeah, I've been teaching myself from scratch how to film, how to edit, how to put everything together. And I only started in January. I've got 23, 22 or 23 videos out now, so I'm learning all the time. And it's been quite a steep learning curve. It's really quite uncomfortable filming yourself yeah, and learning all these new skills, but it's an exciting venture as well. And I'm not going into it trying, hoping that I'm going to earn lots of money. I, I suspect I will eventually, as long as I keep going, I will earn a residual income from this. But it's more, I think, just learning new skills and also to leave, I'm hoping, a bit of a legacy. In future generations, I'll, I'll be there on, on, on YouTube and my family can see oh, what was great, great, great granddad, uh, Eddie? What was he liking? I'm talking about the things I'm passionate in, I'm interested in. So that, that was the main motivation for starting a YouTube channel. So what have you learned? I've learned, um, well, in terms of technical skills, I've been learning them um, everything from scratch on how to video yourself I just use an iPhone um, 11 Pro Max I swap everything onto an iPad I've, I've had to learn how to edit how to use sound microphone systems and lighting and also how to arrange your environment uh, so that it's at least it comes across in some way semi-professional but uh, I'm still learning so yeah yeah it's been a a big, steep learning
1: curve. So have you met anybody interesting through this? Because that's typically the big payoff for social media is you meet people, right? Mm-hmm. That you wouldn't uh, have met otherwise. No, <laughs> I get apart
0: from yourself, I think you're the first person that's reached out. There you go. Uh, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm the high watermark. You, you're it, yeah. It's been a lonely venture so far, yes. <laughs>
1: we'll we'll get you some eyeballs. Yes. I do. It's interesting because I see a lot of this stuff and I don't understand a lot of it in terms of why would anybody watch this, but I guess that's just my generation, right? So yeah. the the rules are different. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for somebody like you or I to learn in this social media world is just what what the rules are right the norms are different i'm exactly the same as yourself even now it's called imposter
0: syndrome even now when i start creating a video i think who's really going to be interested in this apart from people that i know and i have to just forge on through that and i'm still trying to find my niche the broad heading of or the broad genre of me channel is about health and lifestyle but that's really it's a bit of a scatterburst on the topics I've been covering so far, but I will eventually narrow down the niche where I want to talk about specifically. Yeah, yeah, you got to find your audience.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Or your audience has to find you, one of the two.
0: Yes, yes. I've got a broad range of topics covering all, you know, geopolitics, sociology, philosophy, health and fitness, uh, general lifestyle, how to protect yourself in an increasingly, you know, this mad and dangerous world that we live in. I'm fascinated by the world generally, so... uh, I've got a lot of things I want to share and get off my chest and explore with other people, hopefully.
1: But yeah, I'm hoping to narrow down in the future. So have you um, gotten any feedback on your comments from YouTube that was useful? Have you met anybody from Kyrgyzstan or uh, Taiwan that's given you any good feedback? I wish
0: I had some interesting um, stories and anecdotes about that, uh, Chris, but I haven't. Uh, nobody's really reached out yet. The, the the channel's still in its very early stages. I've only done, like I said, 22, 23 videos. It can take upwards of over 50 videos before the YouTube algorithms start to pick it up and, and thrust it onto news feed. So apart from one or two videos where I've had several thousand views, most of my videos... Are only getting about 100 views. So no, not yet, I'm afraid. But um, I'll just keep on plugging away.
1: So it pushed it to me for some reason.
0: Well, I think what that was, was um, on my Facebook news feed, I seen this running group for over 50s. Yeah. So so I joined it and I I put the link on for my running 5K every day for 30 days on that Facebook group. And I think that's how you may have found me. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I think, I I, I don't know.
1: So this is interesting, Eddie, because I watched that feed on that group, that over fifty group, and the yeah. questions these people are asking lead me to believe they have never run before in their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're asking questions like, "What kind of watch should I wear to run a five k?" or "What kind of shoe?" or you know, mm-hmm. these just, "How do I breathe?" There's just like mm-hmm. really simple questions, and I don't answer them because I know fifty other people are going to answer them. But uh, there's a niche there. You're looking for a niche. There's a niche there, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah,
0: lots of people out there just need a real big bunk up. They're looking for the silver bullet to help them get off the sofa. Um, but like <laughs> we touched on before, that they're just overcomplicating everything as well. Just yeah, a pair of comfortable trainers on. I think you call yeah. them sneakers. And just your T-shirt and just get outside the back door and start running. Just, it's really not, it doesn't have to be that complicated.
1: The other thing I noticed, this is funny, is that the folks on this channel, they're taking pictures of themselves sort of post-run in a very social media sort of picture, right? Almost like they're treating it like a dating site, Right. And I think that's kind of hilarious that these mid-50 people are treating, are are acting like they're in high school, right? Yes. Like you can tell the guys are sucking in their guts and trying to get the right light and like, look at me, I'm athletic over 50, you know, they're taking their shirts off and... Mm
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's just a reflection of social media in general, isn't it? It's just this need to have um, the attention or the spotlight. It's um dare I say what we don't offend anybody, but it's a form of narcissism as well. It's on the video that I I videoed myself for the five K runs, but the footage of me running, that was I set that up artificially, that wasn't me during one of my actual runs, because of the very reason that you just said, um, it would just look a bit pulse and sort
1: of attention grabbing look at me look at me so i, I try to avoid that yeah but that, again we're talking about niches that points yeah. to something there right that yeah we we'll to give folks, that some thought chris yes these yeah. folks have identity issues right if they're acting yes, like definitely. they're acting like they're 17 year olds on this over 50 site there's something missing in their lives mm-hmm. that they're looking to fill right yes and yes. the good news is good news eddie this is the demographic that has a bunch of money if they've lived right. Yeah, wow. the, the, the
0: disposable so, incomes. Yeah, you know, yeah, you've, you've hit on a good point there, yes. Um, it's a target audience, isn't it? They want to start changing their lives. They want to start running or cycling or whatever, but they're just looking for that um, little
1: Bit of information, that bit of inspiration. I think it's more basic than that. They feel like they're getting old and mm-hmm. they want to know what to do to sort yes. of recapture some of that good feeling of their youth. You know? yeah, 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 that's a really so, good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take stuff. that on board for you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm uh, consulting free, 200 <laughs> bucks an hour. I'm getting video for free. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah. So, best of luck. I love helping people out with new businesses, uh, especially athletic related. And any advice I can give you would be just be yourself, mm-hmm. be your best self, right? Don't be your worst self. Be your best self because that comes through as a genuineness that will resonate with people. Definitely, It's authenticity.
0: Don't don't try and compare yourself to other people or compete with other people. Sometimes you're ahead, and sometimes you're behind. Life isn't yep. a race. Just be the best version of yourself. Keep it and, simple.
1: Right. Right. And when you create stuff, you create it without expectation because you're yeah. you're just a messenger. You don't yeah. know how people are going to consume it. And yeah. what I found is that you'll spend an ordinate amount of time on some piece like a blog post and think this is going to change the world and mm-hmm. you'll put it out there and you'll get crickets. Right. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Right. But then you'll whip something off about your dog and it'll get 20,000 hits. Yes. So yeah. it's not up to you. What's mm-hmm. good and what isn't. Yeah, Your job yeah. is just to create. You're the messenger, right? Yes. Enjoy, so you just enjoy put it out there. Yeah, enjoy the process. And, and what you'll find is, is you're creating ripples. Yes. So you will start getting these emails of "Thank you, you changed my life," mm-hmm. and that makes it all worth. It, yes. Right. I agree. Right. And that's yeah. really wise words. You know, that's that's the outcome you're looking for, right? As you're yeah. changing people's lives, you're saving lives, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm, possibly, Making somebody's yeah. life better. Yeah. All right. Hopefully, hopefully, to inspire them. Yeah, yeah. Wise words, Chris. Yeah. So with that, I'll
1: let you go. Where can people find your uh stuff?
0: My YouTube channel is um under my name, Eddie Hope. That's E D D Y Hope H O P E. Yep. And, nice and uh simple. You can type in Eddie Hope Health and Lifestyle and my videos will, will crop up. But thank you very
1: much, Chris. All right. We'll uh we'll talk more, I'm sure. All right.
0: No, and thank you for reaching out, Chris, and uh thank you very much. All right. Cheers. You take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Sometimes it takes a third party to tell us what we already know.
1: So this is a piece on awareness. It's called Finding Self. Who are you? That's a question that sounds surprisingly simple, but has baffled humans throughout our existence. You might respond with a list of things you have done. Or depending on the context, you might talk about your races and your accomplishments. You might describe your family and your life. You might expound on your career and your job history. You might talk about the place where you live and its attributes. You might even talk about your physical attributes. But are any of those things you, really you? No, none of those things are you. They are external to you. They are outside of you. They are things. They are not you. So, who are you? Maybe you are that person inside. Maybe you are that thing that's looking out on these other things and experiences. And it's an interesting question, especially in these current days when people are challenged with mental isolation and mental health. I don't know about you, but in my life, there seems to be a heightened focus on mental well-being. And with this comes the practice of mindfulness and self-care. But who is this mind that we are telling to practice mindfulness? Who is this person? Who are you? If you're not the outside things, then maybe you're the inside things. Think about that. What goes on inside your mind? Have you ever sat down and tried to meditate? Or maybe just think about driving in the car or walking the dog. What's going on inside your mind? Who is in there with you? And how do you find out what or who this is inside there with you? And do you have a a meditation practice? And have you tried to meditate, like I said, as part of this mindfulness, this self-care season that we're living through? Because if you have, if you're like 99.9% of the people I know, when you close your eyes and try to meditate, you meet your crazy roommate. That's right, your crazy roommate. That's that voice that won't let you meditate. It's the 500 rapid-fire thoughts that assault you when you try to find peace inside your own head. And what does your crazy roommate tell you? Maybe it tells you about all the things you should be doing, all the things you should be worried about, all those things that are due or coming due that need your attention. And then maybe it starts reminding you of how you never get enough done, how you don't measure up, how you're going to fail again. Just like you failed that one time, remember that? And then maybe your crazy roommate starts reviewing all the times you've failed and all the shitty things you've done and on and on and on. Your crazy roommate doesn't just do this when you sit down to meditate, they do it all the time. They're always assaulting you with this random noise. And sometimes you take the bait, you listen to your crazy roommates. And you follow them down these rabbit holes. But who is this crazy roommate? Is it you? Is it an echo of you? Your crazy roommate or roommates, they're not you. Why? Why do you know that? Because you can observe them. And the you that observes is the real you. As you train yourself in mindfulness, you are able to observe the outside things and the inside things. And this is the detachment that mindfulness as a practice is aimed at. It doesn't mean the crazy roommate stop talking. It means you're able to observe the talking for what it is. And by cultivating the ability to observe these things, you have power over them. It doesn't change them, but it does change how you react to them. It takes the emotional and mental charge out of the outside events and out of the inside voices. It gives the real you, the one that observes, the power to decide what to focus on. And you remember that old story that they always tell about the man who felt like he had two dogs in his head, right? A good dog and a bad dog, and didn't know what to do. And the wise man told him, feed the good dog, right? So this is where you are choosing to focus on what you want and what you deserve, and not on the random chaos that fills the world and runs around inside your head. And with this power to observe, And to decide what to focus on, that's where the peace comes from. And that's what they mean by self-awareness. On the flip side, if you lose the focus and allow events and your crazy roommates to drive the bus, you're lost. Then your consciousness devolves into only the things and the experiences. And this is what the mental health and mindfulness practices are poking at. It doesn't start with self-awareness. It starts with realizing that you're lost, that your crazy roommates are driving the bus, that you're focused on things. Then you can begin or continue your mindfulness routine by refocusing on observing, awareness, and consciousness. It is a practice. And in this practice, you, the real you, the you who observes, is the answer. Okay, now we're going to move you towards the exit, please. Okay, my friends, we are aware of and have observed that we have arrived at the end of episode 4-462 of the Run Run Live podcast. Awesome sauce. I got a couple of nice notes this week. One from Jim, who commented on the presentation that I shared with you that I had made to my work group. And I actually got recognized in this week's team call for helping people to stay on their fitness journeys. And I had another nice email from Brian, who is running Boston this year, has run 14 Bostons, and likes watching the 2018 video of Eric and I running in the storm. That was the storm year. And he says he, he watched that a bunch of times and told me it gives him inspiration. So that's great. As much as I love to feed my own overblown narcissism. My point here is that it not only makes me happy to get good feedback, that's, that's good, but my point is, like I told Eddie today, you never know who you're going to impact, right? It may be 20 minutes of throwaway musings on your part, but once you let it loose in the world, it may find the person who needs it and resonate with them. So don't ever underestimate your own power and your impact lean in let your light shine meet the universe where it is i was supposed to go down and pace dave in his 24-hour race last weekend but he ran headlong into a three-day heat wave and that uh he made the decision to pull the plug at 100k instead of 100 miles and he made that decision early sent me a text waved me off so i didn't go down Next, over Labor Day weekend, I'm going to volunteer for the WAPAC Trail Race. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're having the WAPAC Trail Race this year, September 5th. Come on up. Run 18 miles of (laughs) technical single track. One of my favorite races on one of my favorite trails. Links in the show notes. And I do intend to go down to the bird in hand and stumble around the half marathon course with the extra milers the weekend after Labor Day. That's here in the States, Labor Day. Yvonne, that's my wife, Yvonne and I are going to wrap a road trip around it and poke around Amish country. Does that make me sound officially old? I bet it does. Then I've got to figure out where I am going to walk my Boston Marathon in October. I'm leaning heavily towards doing something with zero for prostate cancer uh, and doing it in memory of my friend Tom. Uh, It's a small thing and it feels kind of self-promotional, but hey, you know, lean in, listen to the universe when it talks to you and it's telling me to do that, so I'll do that. Ollie News, the Ollie News is all good, is actually all good. We had our first training session with the K-9 training up in Nashua. (laughs) K-9! and it went really well. He's doing great. One lesson, and he's already walking on the slack leash, not pulling at all. And the other morning, I walked him out to the garden, told him to stay, went inside the garden to water my Colombian tomatoes and pick some produce, and he stayed right there the whole time, waited patiently for me to come back out. And I took him for a walk in the woods when we got back from training, And he was slack leash the whole time, even down the hills, which keeps me from having to dig in my heels and stress out my knees. So I'm really happy with his training. Can't wait to start running again with him on a slack-leash. And one of the current supply chain problems is dog food. I can't get his Eukanuba dog food. Last couple times, I've had to get something similar, but not quite the right dog food. So currently he's eating a large breed puppy, Yukonuba. That's the category, large breed puppy. Hopefully this won't turn him into an Irish wolfhound puppy. This week I had our old friend Dirt Dog present to my fitness group at work, and he talked about mindfulness. I really admire Mike's work as a high school principal and how he's able to lead a purpose-driven life. And he said something that struck a chord with me that stuck with me this week, so I'm going to share that with you. Teach what you need to learn. Let me say that again. Teach what you need to learn. And I see Mike, you know, I've known Mike for a long time, and I see him from the outside as a purpose-driven ultra runner who has figured out how to stay mindful in a high-stress environment But Mike sees himself as needing to learn, right, and needing to practice these very traits to learn them. And that's part of his practice. He teaches what he needs to learn so that he can not only help his kids and his peers, but also as part of his own self-awareness practice. And that's what I want you to think about this week as you go about your life. The reason I'm here talking to you is that At some point, I needed to teach what I needed to learn. And it's part of my practice to talk about these things. And the practice is not because we have it all figured out. The practice is precisely because we don't have it figured out. We teach what we need to learn. And as we are teaching what we need to learn, I will see you out there. And then he thought, that he just couldn't die so ned he laughed so
0: hard it made him cry
1: and then i've got to figure out those are my knees <laughs>